This is Family Court Vision. The podcast where a nerd and the woman who missed his preschool graduation because she was giving birth to his brother discuss all things basketball. On today's episode, we have news from the NBA (laughs) and the WNBA. We have our movie review from He Got Game and our presidential starting five. This is episode five. We're glad you're here. Let's boogie. Welcome to episode five of Family Court Vision. It's 7 p.m. on Wednesday, January 20th. What's up, so Mom? So, Jack, oh. well, Jack, I'm what? I'm sad to hear that you're still resentful about me missing your preschool graduation. Oh, yes, of course. We definitely just said that and are not going to be recording <laughs> that part at the end. Sorry to confuse you. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm sorry, Jack. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it, I understand, I, I think I understand, although the feeling remains that, um, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow for me. I mean, I would say I couldn't help it cause I was like giving birth, but we did schedule it for that day. So you, I'm not wait, sure. you scheduled it for that day. We, we did. We what did. The, yeah. Why? <laughs> I didn't tell you that. You're now like, you're you resenting. You were like, you know, it'd be a great day for this. We don't have any. We don't have anything else going on that day. Perfect. That was the only day the doctor was available that week. Isn't that crazy that that's like how a birth can work? It's like, oh, when's the doctor available? That's uh, when. The, yeah, um, yeah, because because Maddie wasn't due for another week after that. But, uh, you know, my my blood pressure doesn't take well to pregnancy, so we we had to get him out. Okay. Well, now I, at first I was ready to forgive you, but but never mind because you you <laughs> scheduled it for that. We so. we sent Grandma and Grandpa. They were there. Yes, it was it was nice to have them there. So that's nice. Not everybody's Grandma and Grandpa gets to go to their preschool graduation. Right. And we have pictures. Um. Of course, that day ended up with me going to the hospital and you holding my little brother Maddie. Um. Oh. No, no, no. You're misremembering. I'm sorry. I I was three. It's a little hard. Here's why. It's a little hazy. Oh, here's why. Because you were, look, I'm sorry, Jack, to spill your secrets, but you were a real mama's boy when you were little. Like there was nothing in the- Me who's doing a podcast with his own mother? (laughs) No way. There was nothing in the world you wanted more than to just be all up in my business. So I read the parenting books- even though you were my second kid, so I had already gone through having another kid with already having a kid, read the parenting books to make sure I was doing it the right way. And they said, when the next kid comes to visit you in the hospital, do not hold the baby. You want the next kid to come in and see you and cuddle with you. I did everything the book told me to. And still, what did you say to me, Jack? Uh, when I you were three, I think you, I think you... You said already you were three years old. What did you say to three me? Three years old. I pointed at the new baby, my little brother, Maddie, and I said, you love that more than you love me. That is what you said. Yeah. Have you gotten over that um, yet? Clearly not. Um, well, you, you did until you learned that I planned that day. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I, do, uh, I do like Maddie now. I think we, we enjoy each other's company now. That's good. That's um, good. 
but um but yeah that was a that was a rough day for me Some i'll just i'll just say there. that yeah and it was well, it was definitely all about me so it was and we'll hold this story for another day but but you had another harsh comment for me a couple of days later when i came home but we'll hold that for another day yeah mm-hmm. we'll we'll get into we'll that let somewhere. the we'll let the listeners get to know us a little more yes uh-huh um okay so we have um we just got a whole bunch of mailbag questions. We did. Oh wow, we got we, we got a bunch from one one listener, and we also got two more from another listener. Ah. Um. So I think we'll do what maybe one from each listener, and then you know if we want to go back to the first listener's questions for future episodes, uh-huh. we can we can do that. But well, I'm you, I'm the one looking at these, so I'm yeah, going to ask you, you these questions. You you have the mailbag, so you yes. Ask. I can't wait to Um, answer them. I'm ready. All right, let's see. Um, This question comes from uh, Kimberly F. in New York. Ah. Hi, Kimberly Um, F. Yes. Um, So Kimberly F. wants to know for you, Mom, Mm -hmm. what aspect of basketball do you find most entertaining and least entertaining? Mm. Well, I don't think I've been privileged to the whole basketball experience because, like, I haven't, like, seen mascot antics and stuff like that i did previously go to a couple of knicks games Mm -hmm. um sat way up high i sat all by myself once the rest of the family sat somewhere else and they stuck you guys stuck me in a seat all by myself um but i enjoyed it what's the most entertaining um i i liked the um the dancers were good oh oh, and the intro when when they when they all come in and there's smoke coming out of those big tubes and there's like the Uh music and the announcer's like, welcome to Madison Square Garden. Like that. Was it Cookie Monster doing the intros when you saw? (laughs) I like that. That's the most entertaining. Okay. And least entertaining? Least entertaining. Um, Was it? Was it a Knicks game? I don't know. It's not like I go to a lot of basketball games, but I feel like sometimes a time... Was it WNBA? I don't know. Sometimes when a timeout is called, they all bring their little folding chairs and they sit together on the on the middle of the floor and they talk to each other. Like, what is that? Why do they have to sit down? Like, aren't these world class athletes? They can't stand for four minutes while their coach tells them what to do. I what think that I think you're uh, referring to the Temple basketball game we went to. I think that's oh, what so the, that I, I remember the complaints <laughs> from that game, but um, but yeah, they that. Okay, I I understand where you're coming from. Now they have yeah. just been, you know, running back and forth for 15 straight minutes. So listen, you know. there are days when I have to do my job for an entire like seven hours straight. You know? Yes, equally physically demanding. Yes, I mean, okay, I'm sitting in a chair the entire time I'm jo- doing my job, but like you know, that's the level of fitness I have. Uh huh. Um. So that's it. I'll. I'll- how about, yeah, I'll for, answer you. This How about for you, Jeff? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the most entertainment part of just basketball in general, I think um, both leagues do a really good job of um, showcasing their stars and creating storylines with stars. That's, I think, what draws mm-hmm. me the, the most to basketball is that I can I can follow the stories of each one of these players and I know where they've all come from and what their goals are and what their personalities are. Um you know, I think basketball really lends itself well to that. Um, and my least favorite, um, I 
I just hate um, intentional fouling in the game. I I understand the strategy behind it, especially at the end of the game. But there's there's a play that I've seen a lot so far this season where one team you know grabs a quick rebound or gets a steal and is running towards the other side of the court. They're definitely going to score, maybe a fun alley oop dunk because they've got numbers going the other way, and you can just reach out and foul them and stop the play. It it frustrates me to no end um, because I think that that's another really entertaining part of basketball is the speed and the high energy and the high flying. And so to constantly have it slowing down just because it's strategic to do so, um, that's uh, least entertaining for me. Okay, uh, second question we have is from an Evan S. Uh, from New York. Um, oh, New, and so New York in the house. New York represent. Um, he wants to know what's your favorite game time snack. Mm, game time snack. Uh, what? I'll answer what? it first. I okay. just recently discovered that um, I, I, I made a creation on Pizza Hut. You can do all kind of customization. And we're not sponsored mm-hmm. by Pizza Hut. This is just me talking about Pizza Hut. Um, mm-hmm. That um, you can do uh, barbecue sauce instead of marinara and then cheese. And then you put onions and spinach on it so it's kind of like a barbecue pizza um and i just got that when was the last time i got it um sometime this weekend when the lakers were playing i I ordered a pizza and just sat and ate my barbecue pizza good stuff nice i you know i have a a small tangent to go on because i was thinking of you and forgot to text you this week that some um hot pockets have been recalled and I want to make sure that you don't have any hot pockets in your house because they had like foreign objects in them. So if you could just make sure in your freezer, that's that you true. Don't yeah, have any hot I went pockets. through a I went through a big big hot pocket phase um, mm-hmm. in in college, but I'm I'm now a vegetarian again, so I I don't think there's many. Oh, hot it's hard. To, yeah, hard to eat. Yeah, okay. not many hot pocket options for me anymore. So I think I'm good. Um, so I'm not a huge snacker at home when I'm watching TV, but. At the games, I really like a, a good soft pretzel. Hmm. Yes. Also vegetarian, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're still a vegetarian, right. I'm assuming. I, 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 yes. Yes, I am. Okay. Um, all right. Great. Um, did you want to touch on anything else before we get into? Well, our I first mean, segment? we're taking. We are taking mailbag questions, so we should remind everyone that they can all email us at familycourtvision at gmail.com or find us on social media at famcourtvision on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. Yes. Um, definitely reach out. And as you've noticed, we'll, we'll shout out your name on the pod. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you guys for your questions so far, and uh, yes. we hope to get many more. Thank you, Evan S. and Kimberly F. Yes. Mm-hmm. New York repping. All right. Let's get into our first segment of the day, Basketball right. News of the Week. Ready? Uh, go ahead. So, COVID, again. Uh, I think last episode we said there were 10 total postponed games. It's now up to 16 for the season. Um, so that's cumulative. That's not 16 since last week. Right, that's cumulative. Okay. Um, okay. So there was another one, I think, just announced today, which made it 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, not looking any better. Hopefully... Well, um, Hopefully do, things do turn up soon, but. We are more than two weeks out from New Year's. You know, Christmas and New Year's are big gathering times and we're more than two weeks out. And um, the number of players out for COVID reasons is lower this week. 
24. Last week it was 39. So 24 is better okay. and only 90, 98 total. So, you know, total injuries, 98 total injuries. So oh, that, the, that, was, last, that was over last 100 week was last week, 126 right? last week. So, so. getting much better. Mm-hmm. Good. Yep. Um, kind of along those lines, I just want to talk a little bit about um, Kyrie Irving. So the reason I want to talk about this, I listened to the podcast Tea with A and Fee, which is um, Asia Wilson and Nafisa Collier, uh, two WNBA players. They have a, uh, they had, while they were in the bubble, they had a podcast. I'm just kind of catching up now to some episodes I hadn't listened to before. And they had um, EDD. What's her first name? Della Dom. Is her last name Elena? Yeah, Elena. Yeah. Elena Deladon. So they had her on and she missed this season. Um, she has Lyme disease and she's had it for many years and she um, applied for um, the medical exemption, was not granted it. They did not grant her. Like she had a lot of um, evidence, but she was not granted. So she just took the season off anyway. She also is recovering from back surgery. Um, and, she, and they asked her, so were you, um, did you, were you a recipient of the um, Kyrie Irving salary um, fund? And I learned from that that he donated $1.5 million to the WNBA to help supplement the salaries of the women who were not able to play during the bubble. She was not. Her her team uh, was able to pay her her salary, so she was not a recipient of that. But that got me to thinking about Kyrie, and I, I kind of looked him up a little and saw some other good things he did. And the reason that I'm bringing this up as we we talked about him last week when we talked about COVID. He was filmed at a party, no mask, and then he missed like seven games or something. He has since been punished monetarily from his team mm-hmm. and from the NBA. Um, he, he's coming. I believe he's playing his first game back tonight. tonight. Yeah, yeah, tonight, Wednesday. Yeah. Um, looking forward to seeing that. The whole, all the new people, everybody's there, right? Yeah, it's their Harden, full. Everybody. Yeah. Harden, so, Kitty, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm going to watch that. Um, on and off with the inauguration um, festivities. Mm-hmm. So um, so he's he's allegedly filmed without a mask at a birthday party. So A, yes, he should be following protocol. That That is true. Um, but someone is a really crappy friend or family member for filming that and posting it. You may or may not agree with me because I know that you are um, someone who follows the rules, but I do think that that's kind of a, a crappy friend or family member who who posted that from that party um that's b um and he needs to rethink those people c um if he's missing a game or practice or whatever uh, he should absolutely have open lines of communication and let his team know where he is he has a commitment to them contract with them and he should absolutely let them know where he is and what's going on with him um But last week, there were 39 people out for COVID, and this week, there are 24. So unless all 24 of those people are catching it from their their teammates, someone is among people who are testing positive for COVID outside of basketball. So I don't like that Kyrie's being made uh, an example of in this case, just because there's video evidence of it, because there's physical evidence. If people have been contact traced, 24 people have been contact traced multiples on the same team at some points, then why is he the one who has to be targeted? I've said it before. Did you want to answer that? 
Do you want to say well, I want to push back on two things. One, the person who filmed, I agree that they're probably a bad friend or family member to him, but it, you know, he, again, could be putting people's literal lives at risk. So if you need to, I, I think that person who was also there is probably a hypocrite for you know wanting to expose that. Right. Um, but I think in the end, it's a net good thing because we found out, can you imagine if he brought it back and whatever. Um, the second thing is, just because you have COVID doesn't mean that you weren't following the rules. So you you might have caught it and been doing everything you were supposed yes. to be doing. So he he was an example of somebody who was clearly doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. Right. Um, I do remember on New Year's Eve there was a this this was not any players these were support staff but there were seven support staff who then had to quarantine because they had dinner on New Year's Eve without masks on mm-hmm. among each other. So. You know, I feel like if you have 24, 39 people, chances are at least one person, one other person might not have necessarily been following the rules or at least not been with the safest people. Mm-hmm. You know, in our in our home, we have some people who are working in uh, retail among the public. And when we're with those people in our own home, we're wearing masks unless we have a barrier between us. So mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to be as careful as possible. I know we all could still catch it. This is a crazy thing. So I, I know that. But um, so I've said it before that I don't know Kyrie's mental health, emotional health status, and it's not my business to know it, not my business at all. But there is a lot of speculation based on his actions and his words that he was have for personal reasons um, that there might be some at least mental, emotional stability or balance that he needs. And he, he did put out a video today, answered some questions, um, had a Zoom, and he did talk about that he needed, he mentioned the words overwhelmed and balance. Um, this is after the fact, I realized in the past week or so, people haven't had access to what he has to say. Um, but I, I see in the in the past week and even the past few months, Charles Barkley has told him to grow up, has called him immature. Firstsports.com called him immature and careless. Um Charles Barkley also said he has an obligation to his employer and 30 to $40 million uh, puts you at a different standard. But, you know, mental health doesn't discriminate if you're wealthy or if you're not wealthy. So, you know, if you, if you can't deal, you can't deal. And you and I had a conversation, I think on one of our first podcast episodes about Kevin Love and about his work for mental health within the, the league and how it's not always a thing that the guys feel like they can deal with. Mm-hmm. So I think people just need to really kind of lay off of, of Kyrie and, and yes, there should be an expectation that he communicates with his team and everything, but it's not there. That's his employer. They, they're not required to tell us what's going on that, you know, I think that, uh, what's his name? The coach, Steve Nash, mm-hmm. he said a few things like, you know, we're, you know, we can't wait to get him back or, you know, he kept his confidence and if he, if he had been told anything and I appreciate that. So, um, you know, in relation to our later discussion about uh, he got game, we can see that uh, players are pulled in all directions and people want something from them all the time. So maybe sometimes they just can't deal with it. And, um, you know, Stephen A. Smith was yelling at him, called him a snob, selfish. Uh, he has self-inflicted his issues. Kendrick Perkins called him a distraction. And I think people really need to lay off of him. He's not only that... Um, WNBA. He's also given one and a half. Uh, he's given three hundred thousand dollars worth of meals to New York families. He's done work with Standing Rock Sioux Reservation and a lot of other things as well. And I admire him. And if he needs some time off, it may be it may be hard for us as fans or for common 
commentators, commenters uh, to deal with that. But I think in this case, we need to not make it harder for him than it already is. And, and there is my rant for the day. I also wanted to bring up the Harden trade. I don't, first of all, I don't know how this happened. So Karis Levert somehow got traded to, to Indiana, the Pacers. The, yeah. What's the, how does, how did that happen? So it's a this four- is like rockets and nets. So where'd the Pacers come in? Yeah. And the Pacers and the, the Cleveland Cavaliers are also involved in this. Um, okay. So it's a, it's a four team trade. So it's kind of like a, um, it's kind of like a, I don't even know. Like a, it's just a circle essentially, or a square because it's four teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think technically what happened is the Nets traded Karis Lover to the Rockets, who then traded him to the Pacers for okay. Victor Oladipo. Okay. I think is so, es- essentially what happened there. So as you know, twenty-six-year-old Karis Lavert in his pre-implant physical, they discovered a mass on his kidney. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to have surgery for that. Um, and hopefully it's not serious, but if it is, you know, this trade may have saved his life or his health. And, yeah. uh, the Pacers have said that they will stand by him and they look forward to having him whenever he's healthy enough to come back. So I appreciate yeah, so, that. So when, yeah, when, when you get traded, you have to have a physical done The the team that you get traded to, they have a team doctor who does a, a complete physical examination of you to make sure that essentially they're getting what they traded for. Right. Um, um, I feel like dad told me something, maybe football last year, something happened, maybe a heart issue. I don't remember. I feel like there was something like this within the past year with another sport as well. Yeah. Every couple of years you hear th- these trades are announced, but then they don't end up going through because somebody fails their physical. Mm-hmm. And so it, the, basically then the whole trade is just, mm-hmm. you know, null and void. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Pacers said, you know, while this, while we didn't know about this when we made the trade, we're still, you know, we still want him on our team and we're going to help him out and whatever. So that's, um, you know, scary, but good that they caught it. Good that, you yeah. know, he has support. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We want to move on to WNBA. WNBA. A couple of quick things. One is uh, the first SEC team to cancel the whole season uh, is uh, Vanderbilt women's basketball. So they canceled the remainder of their season. They uh, It was driven by the athletes and supported by university officials. So it's good to see that they supported their athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, the games will be listed as no contest and will have no bearing on the standings for the rest of the league. Um, also, I mentioned Asia Wilson earlier, and she just had a statue erected at her alma mater, University of South she, Carolina. She plays for the Aces, the Las Vegas Aces, right? I didn't write that down. Okay. I'm pretty sure she plays for the Aces. Okay. Okay. So she is from University of South Carolina. They just erected an 11 foot tall statue of her right in front of Colonial Life Arena. She's like 24 or something. Like that's really impressive. I mean, she had an impressive record while she was there. She tournament titles, uh, season championships, NCAA finals. She was the South Carolina's first national player of the year. Um, But she is, interestingly, this is only the third statue at University of South Carolina that is for an individual person. So that's pretty big. Right. So, and one of them is, I didn't write his name down, but a Heisman winner. And the other is for the first African-American faculty member. And now she's the third. Um, She said something like uh, her grandmother 
couldn't walk on campus and now she has a statue there. So times have changed nicely. And interestingly, this was funded privately, this statue. And in part, it was funded by Darius Rucker of Hootie and the Bluefish. Oh. Mm-hmm. Who we are. Nice. Dad and I saw them in concert last year, shortly before the pandemic hit. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And then the last piece, is this a, this is talk about free agency? Kind of. So I just, I just learned something because February 1st is free agent date for, for, um, WNBA. So I have a question for you. There are things called unrestricted free agents, which I assume means they can go anywhere they choose. Yes. Up to them. They can just know. Why'd you make that face? You don't know. You don't know I'm, the answer. I'm, I think I have a basic understanding of restricted and unrestricted yeah. free agency, but I still res- don't fully understand it. Then there's restricted free agency. And then there are reserved players. I don't know what the heck that is. But then what I learned about, and you, I see you Googling, so you can tell me in a minute, but I'm going to teach you something, I think, because I don't think this is an NBA thing. There's something called core players, like the core of an apple, core. Uh So people can be designated, players can be designated, that's not in the NBA, right? The MNBA? I I don't believe so. Okay. So players can be designated as core players. It can't happen more than four times in their career. Um, I assume it's just during like their contract year, whatever year their contract is up, just like free agency and stuff. Um, And what it is, is the team has exclusive negotiating rights with that player. So they could give her a raise, but they could also decide to trade her. And the point is so that that player can't just walk away to another team and then their team can't get anything for her. Huh. And it, it doesn't seem fair to the players that they're trapped like that. Um. I'm going to learn more about it as time goes on. Um, but uh, did you find anything about restricted, unrestricted, and reserved? Yeah. Do they so have those in the NBA, all three of those? Um, I don't think reserved. Definitely okay. restricted and unrestricted. Um, but unrestricted means, just like you said, you can just go and sign with any team for any mm-hmm. contract, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Restricted means that you can go and sign an offer sheet with any team but then your team that you're leaving has an opportunity to match that deal. Okay. And if they do, then you stay, then you have to stay with them. Oh, so if they do, if they match it, you have to stay. You can't be like, bye. I want more or I'm out. I, I think, I think so. That's sure. just a quick, okay. just a quick read through. Okay. But you know, if your original team says, Oh, we don't want to pay that much, then, you know, then you can go and sign with whoever. But mm-hmm. um, that's my basic understanding. And that could be wrong, but that's just my quick reading through of it. There are three core players, core designated players this year. One is Neka Ogumake, and she is with the LA Sparks. Um, and she is also the WNBA Players Association president. She's been since 2016. Um, she was a rookie of the year and a number one draft pick. They also have Liz Cambage from the Las Vegas Aces. And then interestingly, Natasha Howard from the Seattle Storm. There, it This is going to impact everything for them because they have a lot of high paid players. So the salary cap is going to be a problem. These are she's a good player. She should get lots of money, but it could impact. They have, um, Stuart Lloyd, um, they're up next year. Their contracts are up. So if they devote too much to this girl this year, then they won't have enough next year. If Sue bird decides to retire in a year, like if she stays this year, they might have to get rid of some young girls, but then if she retires in a year, then they won't have any, I don't know, point guards. I think if they get rid of the younger point guard girl, 
they won't have any good point guards. So it's it's this whole like intricate dance they have to figure out. It's kind of cool. I can't wait to see what they do. Uh huh. And it's um just like you said last week, an an expansion of the salary cap would m- maybe make this easier on some teams. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So that's right. NBA news of the week. Let's move on to our second segment of the day, which is our review of He Got Game. He Got Game by it's a Spike Lee joint. A Spike Lee joint. That's Starring right. Starring Denzel Washington and Ray Allen. Yes. Former former NBA player, although at the time of the movie, he was a current NBA player. Yes. This Kim- movie came out in 1998. Mm-hmm. Just like you. I did come out in 1998. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was a good year. Yes. Um, okay. First of all, did you like it? Uh, eh. It was really long. Way too way long. Way too long. Way, way, too way, long. way, way too long. Yeah. A good 40, 45 minutes probably could have been cut out. And the problem was there were way too many subplots. Yes. Way, way, way too many. I Also, oh, go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. I really liked um, Spike Lee's visual direction. His cinematography. I really enjoyed all of it. I re- it so the movie starts out uh, with a whole montage of kids all across black kids, white kids, boys, girls playing basketball in on a farm in a city everywhere. And Aaron Copeland music, who is a classical composer, is playing over it. It's that like real like Midwestern kind of. I mentioned I think during Hoosiers, like it reminds me of like a dog food commercial that like I can't sing it. Forget it. I was going to do it. I forgot that we're recording. No way. Um, but it's like very like wholesome white American music. Uh-huh. Um, and then it's juxtaposed with uh, Public Enemies soundtrack song. He got game, which is excellent. I did not. I didn't know that song before, but it was. I loved it. I I just I just favorited it or whatever on my on my Spotify. So Whoa. that one's going to come up in rotation. And fun fact. Um, Public Enemies Chuck D is from East Meadow, Long Island, and Flava Flav is from Roosevelt, Long Island, and they met at a Delphi University on Long Island. Again, New York reppin'. Fun fact. Um, Go ahead. You say yeah, something. Yeah, I, I really did not like this movie at all. I didn't know anything about, like, I, in the opening credits, I saw Ray Allen. I was like, oh, that's funny that there's an actor with the same name as the mm. basketball player no i mean did you forget yes, it was a basketball it's the same movie? person I, like no, it I didn't just occur fit. to you it's just so weird like i i <laughs> never and now after i searched afterwards i've seen that he's done other other yeah. acting things since i thought um, he was pretty good i thought he was okay um i thought he was pretty good but it was just that was just weird to, i just i was like okay that's uh, you know ray allen's not it's not crazy that somebody else would be named that um True. but yeah, like you said, too many subplots to the to the point where I don't think they realized what the main plot was supposed to be. Um, you know, was this a a father and his son reconciling thing? Was this a um, you know Jesus figuring out where he's going to go to college kind of thing? Was this a choice that he has to make between illegal bribes and staying you know staying more strict, or was this a choice he had to make between going to a college he wanted to go to versus? helping his dad like it, it was just too many things going on and i don't think they realized i don't i don't know if they figured out who the main character was i don't know if i don't know if it was supposed mm-hmm. to be jesus or jake mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and like you said way 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 too long my my question is 
was there anything redeemable about Jake? I, I, I just didn't, I didn't see anything from the beginning, you know, as we're figuring out what happened, his daughter says, I know you didn't do it. And then it turns out that he he says something like, you know, I didn't mean to. So you're figuring like, oh, this is one big, you know, mistake and whatever. It, it wasn't. No. And then a bad guy. And then nothing changed. He didn't, right. he didn't do, he didn't ever apologize. He didn't ever mm-hmm. become no remorse. A, a better guy, like nothing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know uh, that that's probably my, th- the main problem yeah. with it. He seemed a little more mellow initially, although he, he picked up during the game at the end against Jesus, but he seemed a little more mellow, which probably had to do with he's in prison and hasn't been drinking alcohol in these years. So you know, doesn't have that edge from it, but he was, what a jerk, what a bad dad he was, even, even before he killed his wife. And it wasn't, I mean, I guess technically it was an accident, but it wasn't an accident. He was was, fighting, fighting with his kid and fighting, physically fighting with his like 11 year old kid and his wife, throwing them around the house. No, not good. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like, and you also think like, oh, by the, the end, Jesus is going to realize like, oh, he never meant to do this. He wants mm -mm. to be my dad. Like, Mm-mm. Jesus was right the whole time. Yes, 100%. I 100% agreed with his decision to uh, at the end of the basketball game. 100% agreed with his. I feel like it was too neatly tied up from that point on. Yeah. You know, um, I did also want to say that because um, I have three kids who are in the world of acting, I've learned things about the world of acting and playwriting and things. And early on, the warden says when he's when he's explaining to Jake that he's going to get out and these two uh, cops or whatever they are, parole officers are going to be trailing him, whatever they are. Um, he says, um, this one, you're going to like this one, the guy with the glasses. You're going to like him and he's going to like you which was a total lie. He was a total jerk. Uh-huh. Um, um, Spivey was his name. You'll like Spivey and he'll like you. Um, and uh, But it's the, the other guy. He's quiet. He's the one you got to look out for. Meanwhile, he was the only one who had any tenderness towards him and it never came back that you had to look out for him. So this is what I'm saying is, you know, Chekhov says, Chekhov's gun says, if you're going to put a, if you're going to put a pistol on the wall in act one, you better fire it before the end of the play. Uh-huh. And Spike did not fire that gun. Like, yeah. why did he have to tell us that? We could have cut that out and cut out two whole minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely agree. Um, now, I have also, you, oh, have you seen other Spike Lee joints? I saw Black Klansman. Okay. Which, want... which Denzel's son is the lead in Black Klansman. Huh. Um, I just wonder how this compares in sort of in, in style and just in how much you liked it. Because uh, I think I'm, that I'm pretty, I went through all of them. I think this is the only Spike Lee film I've ever seen. Yeah, I think we need to rectify that. I'm, I'm yeah. ready to rectify that. Um, but I, I think a number of his, like this one came out in 98. Like I was pregnant and giving birth to you. I wasn't watching movies at that time. And then I had a couple of little kids at home and I wasn't really, I'm not someone who goes to the movies. So I haven't seen a lot of movies, but I think it's time to fix that. Uh, Black Klansman was excellent. And I think the story was much better. I don't think that this story was written that well. I don't know if Spike Lee wrote Black Klansman or if he directed and produced it. But this he wrote, and I don't think it was written written that well. You know, dialogue was not great. Um, I also didn't like, you know, first of all, Rick Fox, good-looking man, but what was he, like 40, playing a college student? I mean, <laughs> come on. 
and he bashes. This is this is a this is a conundrum I have, and I read a bunch of reviews afterwards because I had to wrap my head around it. A conundrum I have with Spike Lee, like he's really seen as as a storyteller, a black storyteller who tells the stories of black people. But Rick Fox's character is bashing black women. He says terrible things about black women. And the the black women in this movie were the only people who had, other than Jesus, were the only people who had redeemable qualities. His sister and his, his aunt were the mm-hmm. only two who were not looking to get something out of him. Mm-hmm. But we then have the dialogue that Rick Fox is bashing, you know, bashing black women. And I I, I just, I don't get it. I, I, you know, you're right. If I see more Spike Lee films, maybe I'll get more of a sense of it. But uh-huh. so far... No. I think I think as you're talking about, it, I think there were the the foundations of an interesting conversation about race and about mm-hmm. um, things like you know a young black athlete and everybody around him trying to exploit him and getting a piece mm-hmm. of whatever he's going to get. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't think it was done particularly well. Right. So, um, oh, okay. Were, was there other stuff you wanted to touch on before we talk about least and most favorite? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go first with my least favorite. Okay. Um, my least favorite was the end that it was, um, I mean, among, as we've talked about other plot issues, but that it ended up that Jesus was, Jesus made the decision essentially to not necessarily reconcile with his father, but forgive kind of sort mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. But then Jake is still in prison because of a technicality because he didn't mm-hmm. actually sign the letter. And mm-hmm. I, you know, you could say that this is we're talking about the prison system and, and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But it just it felt like either we should go strong one way in that he's holding onto his convictions and he's not gonna forgive his father because mm-hmm. he should he doesn't deserve to be, and you know, he's gonna go back to jail where he belongs and that's it. Or we're gonna go full the other way where it's I'm gonna choose to forgive and we're going to attempt to have a relationship and I'm going to go where you want me to go to to save you even though you don't deserve it but it just kind of landed somewhere in the middle and I was like oh okay I don't mm-hmm. I just don't know what to do with that mm-hmm. good point so my least favorite this was least favorite right yes my least favorite was all the female nudity mm-hmm. I'm not saying that as a prude because I'm not saying that sexuality and nudity should not be part of a movie. And I even, as I told you, even a few seconds ago, I go back and I read reviews and things to see what people say when I'm like, this bothered me. Why did it bother me? I need to like think this out and read people's thoughts on it. So um, Spike Lee said, um, I think women might have a problem with that scene. Speak talking about uh, the, at the college, the two women Mm -hmm. um, in the room with them. I think women might have a problem with that scene, but I hope it doesn't escalate to a problem with the movie. So I realized 22 years have gone by, almost 23 years have gone by. But I think that more than just women should have a problem with that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else said, um, I'm glad he didn't cut, another reviewer said, I'm glad he didn't cut that scene out just because people don't like scenes like that. Too bad it's real. And I don't disagree with having the um, depiction of what's going on there. But it is absolute misogyny to just have a, a movie full of boobs and no penises. If you're saying it's real to show a sex scene, but you're only showing the women, then it's misogyny. Period. Uh-huh. 
That's it. And again, you know, I didn't I didn't like Shaq's butt either in the movie last week. But it wasn't it wasn't one sided. You know, it wasn't a movie where it's only the women who are naked. I, you know, looking back now, maybe I appreciate Shaq's butt a little bit more. Don't do not ever say that again. (laughs) But but that my least favorite part was was that. And, you know, I get where they're going with everybody kissing and hooking up with Rick Fox. But those two girls who come up to them at the beginning and he just kisses them both walking through the campus like that. I mean, I, I get they're probably rich girls, but like they they were like plain girls. They look like me like they weren't like hot girls who just walk up to people and start making out with them. They were just normal, plain. Whatever girls like that, it just but was that it was just that, not... like them, I think just having those two girls kiss him could be all all the story we need on that one of the things that he could get out of taking these bribes or whatever or going to the college that people want him to go to is women i think that's all that needed to happen but they it just continued even if, even if he walked into that room because now i mean they really want to entice him so they want they're setting and i'm not saying this is not what happens i'm sure that this happens that you know you really want to entice a high school boy you're going to have college girls hook up with them they could have had him walk into that room and made it clear that that's what was going to happen and then move on. That, I mean, that's what I think most sex scenes can be in movies. We all understand what's, what's going to happen and why that's there. So we can just all move on here. Yes. So Um, that's least favorite. Okay. My most favorite real quick was just the, um, the boardwalk scene between Mm. um, Jake and Mm -hmm. Jesus, because I think it was the closest that we got to a real plot point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I, I liked the um, the conversation about his name and Earl Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, I Who just... was a technical director on this film? Oh, Earl Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just um, I thought that was of, of all the problems I had. I think that was the least. So that's why it's my favorite. Yeah. All right. Uh, my favorite was the um, one-on-one basketball at the end between Jesus and Jake. I thought it felt real. I felt like they probably were improving some of that stuff. You know, Denzel is an excellent actor. He often um, plays kind of very measured characters the way that Jake was through much of the middle of this film. It, he's not like some other actors who are just acting that same character in all the different movies. He's an excellent actor who does a great job with that style, but that's often his style. So I liked watching him get a little looser with it. Um, and I also read afterwards that he really did actually make those several baskets, which was um, not in the script and was frustrating Ray Allen, who was like, come on guys, like why is this old guy making all these baskets on me? And, mm-hmm. and uh, Spike Lee liked it. So he kept it in. So I really like that. Okay. Um, unnecessary kissing. I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, I don't know what the number mm-hmm. would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but um the scene we just talked about i think the just added in relationship with jake and dakota um Mm -hmm. yeah that uh, was not necessary again just yeah Mm -hmm. so we'll we'll figure i mean i'm not going to watch that movie again but we'll figure out what the what we want to call for the number and yeah and just like in uh what was it coach carter where there was necessary kissing there was there was some necessary kissing in this but, but a lot of there was a lot of yeah yeah okay 
So rating. So I, I think I talked about the first time we we rated things. Um, my three criteria are overall how good was the movie, how much and slash how good was the basketball in the movie, and how entertaining was it. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my score for overall for um for how good the movie was. Uh, I wanted to give it a two, but I bumped it up to a three just because Ooh. Denzel Washington is a great actor. So I think that he brings up the quality of the film. Um, in terms of the basketball, I wanted to give it a two or a three, but they did have a real NBA player as the they, main basketball player. Yeah. So I'm going to bump that up to a four. And mm-hmm. then um, entertainment was a two. So overall, that's a three for mm-hmm. me. I'm going to give it a five. Okay, so that's a four total. I don't have to pull out my calculator on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- so we average out to a four. That's definitely going to be our lowest. Just as a quick mm-hmm. reminder, we have uh, Coach Carter is our first one at 8.3. Space Jam at 7.5 is second. Then Hoosiers at 5.8. Uncle Drew at 5.75. And then He Got Game comes in at four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are we watching next week, Mom? Next week, we are watching Fast Break. which is a which is like a what 70s comedy it's gonna be interesting i think yeah very different from what we've watched so far yeah um so yeah so check that out between now and then feel free to send in mailbag questions about it again familycourtvision at gmail.com um but yes we'll watch that um for next week Mm -hmm. okay we're going to move on to our last segment of the day which is our presidential starting five so as we said uh, towards the beginning, it is Wednesday. We're recording this on Inauguration Day. Um, big day for our country. Obviously, um, most of the day is about the president, the new president. Um, and so we thought that we should combine the festivities of today and the theme of our podcast. And we're, gonna, um, we're going to choose which presidents we think would make the best basketball starting five. So we're going to go through each position um, and we're each going to come up with our own starting five and pick which presidents. And, you know, we might have our own criteria. We might, you know, pick literally who we think would be the best or, you know, what policies did they have that made me think, you know, whatever you want to do, that's what you're Mm going to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So we'll start with the point guard. Does that work for you? Okay. Who is your presidential point guard? Well, point guard needs to have exceptional ball handling skills, has to be a scoring threat, needs to orchestrate the offense, defend against the opposing point guard, has to be good under pressure, and make his teammates better. So I picked um, Barack Obama. Very nice. I picked Barack Obama for a few reasons. One is he did have good defense against the opposing point guard, Osama bin Laden. He took, took him out, right? He, um, yep. he, he is very chill under pressure. Probably one of the chillest people, probably one of the chillest presidents. Um, and he also delegated a lot to, to Joe Biden, his vice president. Um, I couldn't, I remember during Biden's campaign, there was a specific instance. So I didn't tell dad what this segment was, but I said, oh, what was that instance that he brought up? And so dad sent me an entire Wikipedia article. Um, and it was about handling Iraq. And I don't need to read you this article, but in it, it says, Obama said, quote, Biden is like a basketball player who does a bunch of things that don't show up in the stat sheet. Huh. 
So there's another basketball reference for us. But uh, but yeah, uh, he delegated to his teammate Biden often. So that's who I picked. Okay. Um, for my point guard, um, I like point guards who are fast. That's my that's my main criteria. That's that's what I'm always looking for. Mm-hmm. And so um, most of these presidents are old white guys. Um, and so I'm going to pick a little bit of a less old white guy. In fact, the youngest elected president, JFK, just because I think he's probably, of all the presidents, the fastest one, just because he was mm-hmm. the youngest one. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's going to be my point guard. Simple. I just think uh, I just think he would be the fastest. Now I'm going right. to go. I'm going to go first on this. Yeah. My shooting guard is mm-hmm. Obama, for some of the reasons that you laid out. Um, mm-hmm. But in real basketball terms, he's like there are videos of him out there, like actually taking a jump yeah. shot, and he's like actually a good basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um, he can. He's he's a really good shooter. I just watched a video uh, today in preparation for this of him um, playing against Clark Kellogg, who's an ex NBA player. They played horse. I mean, they 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 called it POTUS, P-O-T-U-S, but they it was horse, and Obama beat him. And it wasn't like, oh, this is the president. I'm going to go easy on him. Like Obama literally beat him in horse. So um, he he's going to be um, my shooting guard. Uh, okay, so we'll snake it back to you for your small forward and then your power, uh, your shooting guard and then your small my shooting forward. guard. Yeah. yeah. So, so the shooting guard is supposed to create scoring opportunities, find ways to do what he's best at and communicate what he wants and needs and read the room and be able to kind of moderate between the other players, right? So this guy was thrust into the pregnant, the pregnancy, the presidency. Um, pregnancy is when, a big theme on today's show. <laughs> was thrust into the presidency. He was VP when his president was assassinated. Um, but he was very good at communicating what he wanted. He told Congress he wanted um, Secondary Education Act, something he made a speech called the Great Society, where he talked about Civil Rights Act, Medicare. He started the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And he did all of this by passing these things bipartisanly. And he focused on what he was good at, which was domestic policy. And this is uh, LBJ, Lyndon Johnson. So he's going to be your shooting guard. He's my shooting guard. Now, what's next? What do I do next? Your small forward. My small forward. Okay. Small forward has all around skills, needs to be the most athletic with agility, speed, strength, and have an instinctive basketball IQ. And for the similar reasons that you picked him for another position, I picked JFK because I thought he'd be the most athletic. He Uh played family football games. He lettered in swimming. He allegedly had an IQ of 158. Okay. That's pretty smart. Um, He's also, he also, um, was agile in in juggling different countries, Cuba, Latin America, Southeast Asia. He made an alliance with Israel. He created the Peace Corps, and he was also agile with juggling all of his mistresses. So <laughs> that's a that's a great point. I'm glad you got that mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So my small forward, as you said, needs to be a good athlete. Um, I personally think on my team that Obama can probably handle the bulk of the scoring, mm-hmm. and. Um, I saved a lot of my my defensive picks for my for my bigs, so they're they're coming later. So I, I was looking for somebody who's a great athlete and can also just do the dirty stuff, you know, dive for loose balls and take charges and stuff. Just kind of kind of what Obama said about Joe Biden: just do all the dirty work, um, you know, do do the the little things that we need to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, for this, I'm going with uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. He was um, supposedly a great athlete. 
He fought in a war. He was a hunter. He studied mm -hmm. wrestling and jujitsu and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so he's supposedly a, a really great athlete. And then um, he also, uh, famous story, uh, got shot and then mm -hmm. still delivered a speech after mm -hmm. it. He was, he was about to give a speech, got shot, and then continued to deliver the speech before, I think, going to the hospital. Um, so clearly he's willing to do the dirty work. He's willing to, to put himself on the line to do what we need to do. So Teddy Roosevelt, that's my small forward. All right. Um, so then I'm, I pick one more, right? So the, my yep. power forward. Um, so this one, you might know where I'm going with this when I'm giving the, the description. I'm just going for sheer size and intimidation. That's mm. all I'm looking for here. I don't want anybody to be able to post him up. Just stand there. Nobody can get past you. The guy in Defense. the bathtub. The guy in the bathtub. Do you know his mm -hmm. name? Mm-hmm. It's Taft. Taft. William Howard mm -hmm. Taft. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I, he's probably not a great athlete. I'm not sure how skilled he is dribbling the basketball or anything like that, but he's a big body, and that's, that's what I'm looking for. So mm -hmm. he's my power forward. So power forward tells me, so I had to actually study what these positions do. Like what, you know, I, I looked on like Google brought me to like little kid developmental basketball things that taught coaches what these positions need. But uh -huh. power forward told me that we need someone tall, strong, aggressive, phys who uses a lot of physicality, is versatile, selfless, and tough um, and good on the rebound. And so I, for this one, picked Teddy Roosevelt. Uh-huh. Because he was 5'10", 237 pounds, as you said, was shot and then gave a speech. He had a, quote, cowboy persona with robust masculinity. Um, he became president because his he was vice president and his president was also assassinated. So it was kind of like catching it on the rebound, right? Uh -huh. um, and he was he was versatile. He dealt with railroads. He dealt with food purity. He also projected a U.S. president's uh, presence around the globe with naval power. And he was very selfless because he groomed Taft to take over for him. So there you go. Mm -hmm. uh, so and I think my center, your center, okay. center needs strong defense, has to prevent baskets by the opposing team. Is the last line of defense uh, needs to know how to post up, which means his back is to the basket, someone passes it to him, and then he turns around and scores. Right? Yes. Okay. See, I studied. Um, I picked Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln because, uh, you know, the Civil War broke out. So he had a he had a uh, had to have a strong defense because seven of his states initially wrote proclamation proclamations cutting themselves from the rest of the country. It was one month into his his presidency. Um, when we were attacking ourselves, he had to navigate factions on all sides. He um, So the congressional abolitionists drafted the 13th Amendment, and then he took that pass because he didn't think the Emancipation Proclamation was going to be enough and thought it could be overturned. So he took that and, and pushed it forward. So Abe Lincoln is my guy. The center is almost always the tallest yes. uh, player on the court. Lincoln and he, was 6'4". He was our tallest president at 6'4". Mm -hmm. And that's precisely the reason why he is also my center. Oh! So, uh, again, same reasons you laid out. Height. Um, I wrote that he defended our union so he can defend the rim. Mm. Um, so that that would I be like his... It. That would that's be his... his not a campaign, campaign slogan, slogan, but their <laughs> basketball tagline or whatever. Um, but, um, yeah. So I, I wrote it down real quick as we were going through. We have four overlaps. 
So we mm-hmm. only have one difference. They were in, you know, a little bit of different positions, but clearly these are the best. I L- LBJ, right? Yes, and I had Taft, but JFK, Obama, Teddy Roosevelt, and Lincoln, we both had on our teams. Yeah. So clearly those four are definitely the best presidential yeah. basketball players because like when I promise, I know you're my mom and I'm your son, but we don't talk about, we don't talk about the news segment. We don't talk about the movie review. We don't talk nothing. about the games, no, nothing. nothing that we do on the, it's all. So I don't, I didn't know anything you were going to pick. You didn't nope. know anything I was going to pick. Nope. So it just goes to Look show you us. how, how like-minded we are and how much we know about both presidents and basketball. I, um, I have a sixth man. Oh, something I hadn't even considered. I did extra uh, credit. Okay. I did a six man. Okay. So I'm my six man, my six man is going to be backup for um, Obama as point guard because okay. this this person might even be more chill than Obama is and smarter than Obama is and ready to handle it. The only problem is he has not yet been president. So he's going to have to wait a little while to be the backup for Obama and my six man is Pete Buttigieg. Ah, I see. Team Pete. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure nerdy old Pete, although he is from Indiana, which uh, is basketball state, right? Nerdy old Pete uh, is a military veteran. That's true. That is who true. Who served yes. in Afghanistan, right? Afghanistan? You're right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's right. Yeah. I, I nerdy forgot. old I, Pete could take you. I, I only think of him in, in a suit and tie, um, but but that is that is true. You're absolutely yeah. right about that. Yeah. And and like oh, I said, he he was South Bend, Indiana is what he was mayor uh-huh. of, right? And Indiana yeah. is like the basketball state. So uh-huh. he probably knows some. Um yeah. all right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I didn't even think to come up with a six man. So you get extra credit for this episode. Woo-hoo! Um so there it is. That's our presidential starting five. Yeah. So that's it for episode five. Send in questions, comments, movie thoughts, and guest suggestions to familycourtvision at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at famcourtvision. And don't forget to subscribe or follow on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next week on Family Court Vision. The mother of all basketball podcasts. <laughs>